The preseason AP Top 25 came out on Monday, and sure, it doesn't count for anything, but it's still pretty fun to talk about, right? It's August 21st. My name is Connor Tapp, and you are listening to the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz. Joining us now to break down Monday's release of the preseason AP Top 25 is 24-7 Sports National College football writer Chris Hummer. Chris, we've got Alabama 1, Clemson 2, Georgia 3, Wisconsin 4, and Ohio State 5. Anything here surprising to you with that Top 5 order and anything that you strongly disagree with one way or the other? Yeah, I have a hard time putting Wisconsin ahead of Ohio State just in general. Um, I think we saw in the Big Ten title game last year, I know Wisconsin played it close, but Ohio State's kind of on a different talent level than Wisconsin at the moment. And I think that was kind of a result of everything that's going on with Urban Meyer. I think had Urban Meyer been the head coach and we didn't have the whole Zach Smith situation in Ohio State, I think you would have seen voters place Ohio State at as high as number three, potentially, ahead of Georgia. Uh, this is not to say Wisconsin doesn't belong. I just I think if you're projecting a team for what it can potentially be, I don't think Wisconsin belongs ahead of Ohio State at the moment. Wisconsin did get one first place vote in the AP Top 25, which notably is one more than Georgia got. So clearly there's at least one person who believes that Wisconsin is the best team in the country. Now, I'm not saying that this is acceptable, an, an acceptable opinion for someone to have. But if you were to mount an argument, just as a hypothetical, Chris, if I were to assign you an essay, uh, Wisconsin is the number one football team in the country in 20. 18 explain why uh how sturdy of an argument do you think you could build for me i would do very poorly on this sat prompt i think because i would have a really hard time arguing that i think wisconsin being the best team in the country would have to be dictated by their playing style they'd have to control the clock they'd have to use jonathan taylor to its fullest extent kind of run them in the ground a little bit and the offensive line has to be dominant but that defense lost a lot, especially on the second level and a lot of NFL talent. I know the linebackers are very good, but I have a hard time seeing Alabama and, or I'm sorry, Wisconsin competing in a situation where they would have to beat uh, Ohio State or a Penn State in the Big Ten title game. Then they have to beat a Clemson or an Alabama or a Georgia in the semifinal, and they'd have to beat another one of those teams for a third straight game. So I would have a hard time seeing Wisconsin as the best team by season's end. Uh, so yeah, that essay probably be very difficult. Chris, as you point out in your 10 takeaways from the AP Top 25, available over on 247sports.com, this is the third year running and fifth time overall since Saban arrived in Tuscaloosa that Alabama has been number one in the preseason AP Top 25. It's an achievement that we've only seen duplicated one other time by Oklahoma in the 80s. But uh, let's spin this forward. Uh, if I had to set an over-under at one and a half on times in the future that Nick Saban's Alabama team will rank number one in the preseason AP poll. Uh, would you take the over or the under there? I would actually take the over, which probably sounds weird for a coach of Nick Saban's age, but I, I think Alabama is going to be better next year. If you look at their talent, it's mostly underclassmen laden. Uh, they have a ton of sophomores who are only going to get better next season. The secondary is entirely new and the defensive line is not going to have to replace too much kind of coming out of this season. So I don't think there's much doubt, no matter what happens with Alabama this year, that people are going to project them to be better next year. So that's one. And considering we saw Nick Saban's contract extended for another through 2024, I believe, that's another five or six chances for the most talented team in the country consistently to rank number one. So I have a hard time seeing Alabama not being ranked 
number one, at least twice more, barring really unforeseen circumstances like Nick Saban deciding he wanted to run for senator like since he got like 5,000 votes the last time around, so maybe as a career there. But other than that, I see the Tide being ranked uh, number one in the preseason at least two more times. Uh, the trap the trap I was laying for you there, and you did not take the bait, was a lot of people see Georgia's rise to number one in the SEC being this inevitability under Kirby Smart. Number one recruiting class last year, number one recruiting class so far in the class of 2019, and of course made it to the national title game in Kirby Smart's third year and you know came awfully close to winning it all. So do you see Georgia not off Alabama is something that isn't inevitable or at least not within the next five years or so? Well, in general, like if you look at college football, it's cyclical. I think change is inevitable and I think dynasties eventually fall. But Nick Saban thus far, at least during his run in Tuscaloosa, has been the exception. I think you kind of see teams get complacent or programs get complacent. And that's never been an issue with Nick Saban throughout his career, no matter where he's been. You don't often see a head coach his age find success he has. Like Most of his national titles have come in his late 40s, his 50s, and his 60s. That's very abnormal in college athletics. And it shows that Nick Saban really doesn't get complacent in any fashion. So I can see definitely Georgia competing with Alabama for the next five years, and they might even win a title during that stretch. But to say that Alabama's run is going to end while Nick Saban is still in the coaching the program would be a little short-sighted in my opinion. If we choose to interpret this AP Top 25 as a final college football playoff ballot, you'd have the Big 12 and the Pac-12 on the outside looking in. Now, those two conferences only have four combined appearance in the playoff between them and just one semifinal win. Do you think either conference has a team that can break through and kind of shake that dynamic up a little bit in 2018? Yeah, I think I think Washington's definitely a definitely a college football playoff contender at the least. They have one of the best secondaries in the country. They have a senior quarterback in Jake Browning, who's one of the most consistent passers in the nation. Miles Gaskin, their running back, is a pretty special talent. He could have left to go to the NFL last year, but he decided to come back to school. Uh, they have an offensive lineman, Trey Smith, who's going to be a first-round pick. That's a team that has the talent necessary to make a run. Uh, the Big 12 is a little harder to kind of gauge. I would have a hard time projecting Oklahoma with all of their losses, but their path is also probably the clearest set of any possible team. So there's always a chance with that. And then it's hard to overlook Stanford as well. I know that's a team that people always project as a dark horse, but they've got all the pieces necessary to make a run too. So I, I wouldn't consider it likely the Pac-12 or the Big 12 gets a team in, I'd put it under 50%, but there are certainly options where it could happen. This is going to sound like ripped out of a Paul Feinbaum segment, but is it important for the Big 12 and the Pac-12? Like, How, how many years can we go before one of them makes a serious run uh, or you know looks like they belong uh, in the national title game or even wins the national title game? Like, How many years into the playoff are we going to go without that happening before we're like, hey, this is like a really serious problem. I think it, I think if you get to the point where a conference is out of the playoff race for three or four years, the Pac-12 would be going on a second straight season this year, then you might run into some issues to the point where the conferences speak up and say, hey, let's make this an eight-team playoff and make sure everybody gets in and we'll have some at-larges. I think once the television contracts uh, kind of expire in 2024, which is how the playoff contracts currently set up. 
you're going to see that happen anyway, or at least something uh, shift in terms of the amount of teams in the playoffs. But yeah, I think I think it's an important year for the Pac-12, especially. They the one time they had a playoff team outside of Oregon make it in, they were pretty well steamrolled by Alabama. The Pac-12 perception is quite down right now, and outside of USC, there isn't a ton of things to hope for in that conference, at least in the early playoff era. So, yeah, I think think it was a pretty important for the Pac-12, important year for the Pac-12 as a whole, whereas the Big 12 can kind of lean on Oklahoma's strengths the last few seasons. Chris Hummer is a national college football writer for 24-7 Sports. You can find him on Twitter at Chris underscore Hummer. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Morning Blitz is a daily podcast, so we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning, breaking down the biggest college football stories of the day in a tidy 10 to 15 minute package. You can subscribe to the Morning Blitz on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.